Sorry, I have to say this, you look nothing like your profile picture. Really? Good different or bad different? Neither, just different different. I've had a haircut. Maybe that's it. Maybe. This asparagus is delightful. That's good. Oh, this place got great reviews on Urban Spoon, but I've never been here before. I took a chance. I guess we're both taking a chance. Online dating is always such a gamble. I'm beginning to see that. So what do you do for fun, Jason? For fun? When you're not picking up girls on the internet. Not much. Cinema, my fancy football league, the usual. Um, you? Oh, you know, I hack computers, I make quips, I love long walks. Unblocking toilets. What was that? N nothing. I also cook. My speciality is souffles. Really? Uh, do they rise okay? Everything rises where I'm involved. That was some flirting. I was doing some flirting at you. I'm like that. Right. I am super flirtatious. Look, can I be honest with you? Sure thing, big boy. Let me just pour myself some wine. What was it you wanted to say? I don't think this is working out. Wow. That quick, huh? We haven't even had pudding. I know. I'm so sorry. I just don't want to waste your time. When a thing isn't right, you know? Sure. I don't want to make you uncomfortable. It was nice to meet you, Jason. Yeah, nice to meet you too. And don't worry, I'll get the bill. It's the least I can do. See you around. See you around! What is it about me, Manny? Why do I scare men so much? Perhaps it is because you are a Dalek, Madame Oswin. Yeah, I suppose it might be that. Manny. Yes, Madame. I'll see the dessert menu now. Hello and welcome to the Oodcast Series 5, Episode 2. And with me today are... On my left, with his headphones on and in a large comfy chair, Chris Sigma. This is an incredibly comfy chair. It's really nice. Much better than any chair I've ever recorded in before. And to my right is Laura. And she's on a really uncomfy looking chair with her microphone perched on a... I think it's a box of Ralph Lauren perfume and uh, face wash. And the cushion has ridden half off the chair, so I'm currently getting something like a draining rack imprinted on my bottom. Hmm. There we are. That is a mental image to treasure. And this is the first podcast back where we've got to say our own things without being scripted. So, uh, 
Hello, everyone. Nice to be back. It's nice to be back, isn't it? It's lovely jubbly. But I'll tell you what isn't so nice. Well, what's that, Andy? We don't have Chris Alpha with us. That is no. true. He's being a good dad to his lovely son, the littlest doctor. But we are assured that he will return next week. So it's just one week sans Alpha, and then everything will be back to normal. Hooray! But hey, there's new Doctor Who! There's new Doctor Who, everyone! I know, and isn't it awesome? There we go, That's that was our review. <laughs> We've lost none of our edge, none of our amazing, incisive, critical facilities. <laughs> no. Does everyone feel okay, like they can just go back into it okay? Yeah. I don't know! I'm so scared. What will people think of me? Don't worry, Loz. People love you. Okay, that's all right then. Podcast news. Welcome to the Oodcast News. You don't have to be news to work here, but it helps. Business news now. The share price in Nanogene Incorporated has fallen sharply after their contract with the Dalek healthcare system was revealed. Jeremy Hunt, the new Secretary of State for Health, is said to be seriously considering putting all the sick people on another planet and then blowing it up. When asked to defend this new initiative, Mr. Hunt was quoted as saying that to him, hatred was beautiful. In a recent Dalek cabinet reshuffle, Thal has replaced Carl, Lek has replaced Mech, Zack has replaced Crack, and Rog has replaced Blarg. The rest of the universe remains unmoved. The BBC have announced plans for a spin-off series featuring Oswin and the Doctor's daughter. Entitled An Outrageous Amount of Running and Psychokinetic Acceleration, the unlikely duo of good Dalek and human Time Lord are brought together by their shared taste in cockpit furniture. Entertainment news now, and hollowed-out meat puppets that jerk and twist at their master's every whim are reported to be competing on X Factor. Again. Weight Watchers have come up with a revolutionary new product, Zero Calorie Souffle, as light on the lips as it is on the hips. It's part of their new range of imaginary cuisine. Shrink as you guzzle down roast beef pasties. Delight in the barely there flavour of their Black Forest Gateau. Attempts to use this new breakthrough product to solve the West African food crisis have so far proved unsuccessful. That was the Udcast News, pouring the milk and eggs of fact into the lovely souffle of news. Except our news souffle is real. Fact. Broadcast news. Right then, who wants to start off? Who wants to fire an opening salvo on the review front? We should do a Dalek extermination effect at that point. And Perhaps. I'll Look. do one. I'll do one. Pew, pew. Pew. Uh, that just it's sounds m- like somebody a... complaining about a bad smell in a genteel way. Yeah, it's, it's more of a kind of a... Uh, it's... <laughs> No, that's no. I'd say that that sounds a bit like a uh, an ill cockerel. Okay, at five about... o'clock in the morning. <laughs> no, that's mm, that. I that's I'm something getting stuck in a Hoover. Yeah, I think it's more. It's kind of more back of the throat, isn't it? Grrr. <laughs> 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 
podcast drill through a poultry farm. Did it used to in Genesis of the Daleks? I remember it used to go like this. Because I used to listen to the LP when I was small. Which reminds me, actually, I've got a question for you guys who are experts. This was the first time I've ever seen Scarrow. So what's the story with it? Why does it look so bobbins? Is that acid rain? Does it still have an ecosystem? And what did the doctor do to it? In fact, was it even the doctor that made it rubbish? Ah. Well, yes. Well, I mean, therein lies a tale. Yes, you have cut to the nub of it, like the incisive... And did you want to... Uh, I mean, yes. I remember it being destroyed in remembrance of the Daleks by the hand of Omega. Is that uh-huh. right? Well, I remember the doctor tricking Davros into destroying it. It with the hand of Omega and thinking to myself, goodness me, but the Doctor was a bit nasty there. But when when it said destroyed, I guess the planet, it's the actual structure of the planet wasn't destroyed, just merely the society they're on. No, is there on a word? Yes, it is. Because, I mean, it seems like it's not especially destroyed. I mean, sure, sure, they've got a really bad weed growth problem, but nothing that mm. a bit of gardening couldn't sort out and maybe some smashed skylights. All the architecture was based on the original scene painting from the original Daleks when we the first time we saw Scarrow, yeah. Oh, that's where the CGI work was. With regard to the acid rain and the weed growth, I think that's quite interesting because there was a massive thermonuclear war, you see, Loz. And so obviously the the soil and the ecosystems recovered enough for there to be weed growth. And birds. Was there birds? Big flock of birds. Was there? Yep. I mean, the internet... Our friend, the internet, Hello is, there. is up in arms about the fact that Scarrow was apparently destroyed twice. But I don't think it was completely destroyed. I just think it was seared of all life. It's a bit like Pripyat. You I'm know, sure it is. The town near Chernobyl. Oh, yeah. Right. With the big Ferris wheel that you can play in. Is it Call of Duty? Oh, I don't know. Somebody on the internet will put me right, I'm sure. Our friend, the internet will put you right on that one. Hello there. But anyway, the policy of the Ucast is Hello. not to dwell on tiny little continuity errors, is it? It's to think about the actual episode. And what did we think about it? Yes, very good. Mm. So the Dalek zombie Major Domo lady. Yes. Who we first meet in her Jedi outfit. That's right. I thought that her acting was a little bit clunky, but I'm going to go ahead and assume that that was intentional. Yes, she had a very interesting accent. I wondered where she was from. Um, But what I can't get past are those ridiculously heeled boots. And of of course, they were incredibly sexy. Of course. Well, Mm. of course. But they would be totally impractical for any purpose of kicking ass or capturing Time Lords. Or dealing with the terrain of Scarrow. Exactly. She She did all that, though, and in heels. Maybe she's just a superwoman. But I thought to myself, immediately we saw those heels, I thought, she's a baddie. Did you? It's horrific, though, isn't it? The concept of being hollowed out, scooped out, and then kind of controlled puppet-like, like like a meat puppet by Dalek technology. And that line, that line, you've got a daughter, and she goes, I know, I've read my file. Yes, it's so cold. But I thought um, with those heels, those baddie heels, although we shouldn't judge people on their footwear. Yeah, don't judge a book by its cover. Don't judge a person by their heels. That's right. My my first thought about her was actually if the lady was trapped in a prison camp, if her daughter was in a prison camp, I'm quite bemused because don't the Daleks just exterminate any life forms that they find to be rebellious or inferior? Why would they have a prison camp? Can you guys explain? Well, I reckon that it's for um, hard labour, as seen in Destiny of the Daleks, where they have to clear lots of rocks out of the way. It's hard to clear rocks when you just have a sucker. Yeah. 
Well, can't you just vaporise them all? you just got to get some more suckers to do it. Ah! Uh, <laughs> Dr. Drink. Slavery is funny. But I can't believe we've gone all this time and haven't mentioned the fact that Jenna Louise Coleman was in this episode. How did they do that? That is, that is crazy. Amazing. I spent like five minutes going, is that her? That is, that is her, isn't it? Loz but- didn't know it was her. I had to tell her. Actually, when I saw her, I thought that she was more like Nigella Lawson presenting a TED talk in the mm-hmm. style of CBeebies. Right, good. So you weren't impressed by her? No, I think I was. Good. I think I definitely was. She has, um, I don't know if any, either of you noticed, she's got a really cute little ring. It's in the shape of a chain. And uh, she's also got an egg whisk attached to her belt and... A lovely little rose, which is somehow blooming underground, that's just tucked behind that's her ear. That's a clever detail, particularly f- the egg whisk. Well, yes, exactly. <laughs> that's the thing with this one. Moffat does play fair. All of the clues are there on the screen. You can work it out, and indeed lots of people did. Uh, Some he's, he's, really quickly. He's put the clues in there, uh, like Amy being able to, uh, you know, the nanogenes change the way you perceive things. It's all in there. It's all threaded through. And the reason, the really clever meta reason why you don't work that out is because you know she's the actress who's going to play the new companion. Mm-hmm. So you don't consider that she's not human. Whereas if exactly the same story had played out, but with an actress we didn't know, we would think something's up with this mm. woman. But because we know that she's mm. going to be the ca- companion and she's going to be rescued, or we assume that this character was the companion, we didn't leap, well, didn't leap as easily to that conclusion. But wouldn't it have been amazing if she had been rescued and gone away with the Doctor? Having a Dalek as a companion, that would have been so funny. Yeah, and, but instead of seeing the prop, we always see her yeah. as she imagines herself. Yes. That would be really funny. <laughs> it would be like a Dalek version of Quantum Leap. I'm just I'm just disappointed that the Doctor isn't going to have a slightly mad humanoid Dalek as his companion. He might still. That consciousness oh, might survive. Well, you see, that is it, that isn't it? That would be so awesome. But um, what did we think of the character? I got, I, I got into so much trouble on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> didn't you just? I knew that was going to happen. I, I just didn't say it very well. What I wanted to say was she seemed too perfect. She seemed like a fancy version of of a sci-fi woman written by a middle-aged man. And that could be because I knew she was a sci-fi fancy version of a woman written by a middle-aged man, but she was just brilliant. She was, you know, she'd crashed on this planet and she'd survived and she was mucking around with the Daleks and she was funny and she was sexy and she, you know, she had that kind of charisma to her. But it just seemed like as soon as the doctor arrived, she just started flirting with him. She needed rescuing. As soon as she met Rory, she started flirting with him too. She she basically ignored Amy. Yeah. She stopped being the architect of her own fate and started being, oh, I'm just an awesome geeky girl who just happens to be super attracted to you. And I feel like if you put that in the context of all, all of Moffat's female characters in Doctor Who and male, I just... I'm completely, I love her. She's amazing. And it just annoys me that these shortcuts are in place. I see that. The way I was reading it all the way through was she was just a little bit too perfect and a little bit too much of a sort of fantasy. Uh, That can sound wrong. I mean, in all the flirting and all that, I felt that she was using it um, in a powerful way to help the Doctor and Rory and Amy and to get herself out of the situation. So therefore, it 
she had power still in using that flirting, if that makes any sense. Or and have I just got myself into deep trouble? I don't think you have, but the, that, that sort of brings me to one of the other problems that I know some fans, not me, but some fans, specifically ones who I've met out and about in public who've had long conversations with me about this, about how Moffat writes certain strong women, is that he presents them as a sort of an Aunt Sally in the same way that Irene Adler was able to easily best Sherlock and his deductive ability, you have River Song, who can fly the TARDIS better, has a really excellent grasp of where she is within time in comparison with the Doctor. And they're just characters who you bring in later who are better than your main character. What's an Aunt Sally mean, though? That's what that means. But why is it called an Aunt Sally? I don't know. Is it from Wurzel Gummidge? ancillary characters that you bring in as a kind of wish fulfillment because you want your main character to do that but you've run out of ways to make them more interesting or better we saw her for less than 45 minutes you can't expect a fully rounded character in the way that amy and rory have become or you know the doctor has managed to be so i think i'm putting too many expectations at the end of the day i'm thinking too much i think i the point i wanted to make was that she seems so perfect and so fantastical uh, and in some way sort of made up. And I think the reason for that is just precisely that she was a dream. She was an image of herself dreamt up to enable her own survival within her situation, which was being a Dalek. So I, 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 all the way through, I was thinking there's something not quite right with this character and I bet it's going to be revealed and it will be amazing. And it was. Looks like a dream, acts like a dream, is, in fact... A dream. A dream. Mm. But uh, the actress herself, Jenna Louise Coleman, thinks she's going to be amazing. Superb. Cannot wait to see what happens with the character. Well, Um, yeah, or the actress, because we don't know. That could be the last we see of that character. Yes, which I think some people might be quite glad at. Because can you imagine that sort of level of motor-mouthing happening Mm -hmm. from the Doctor... And from her. Although it has been said that one of the reasons she got the role of the companion was that she could talk even faster than Matt Smith. Good Lord. And it is the new mystery. It is the impossible astronaut mystery of this season, isn't it? How do we get to a point in the Christmas special where that actress comes back and is able to be a part of the Doctor Who universe? And she says at the end, remember me. She She looks at the camera as well. She breaks the fourth wall. She does. But we're missing out on the other major character that's part of this episode, um, the Daleks, who just get totally reinvigorated and, for me, made scary. They've never been scary up until now. So you agree with what Stephen Moffat said? He said, well, uh, Arthur Darville said that Moffat has made the Daleks scary again, and you think that's true? Yes, I do, because ultimately, up until this point, I had been totally able to deal with them. They had not been frightening, even in the slightest, and now... They are flipping frightening. But, like, it's right from the beginning, the intrigue of them. They managed to get the Doctor a message, despite the fact that the whole universe thinks that he's dead. And I thought, how? How is that possible? I can tell you how. Go on. Are we all aware of the video uh, that was available on iTunes at the beginning of this week? No. There is a prequel to Asylum of the Daleks, written by Stephen Moffat and starring Matt Smith. Holy moly. Which I assume... Must have been a deleted scene cut for reasons of time. Look it up on YouTube. I will. You knows it. And another thing, the Daleks reinvigoration is scored with a whole new soundtrack of terror, which really, really stood out for me. 
So, for example, in the bit where you get the Doctor and Rory and Amy rising up into the Dalek Parliament, which I know we're going to talk a lot about, you have this brilliant epic score from Murray Gold where you have literally anvils being smacked. Mm. And it's so industrial and it's so brilliant. And I love a bit of anvil bashing. It really brings out my inner blacksmith and i love the idea of the doctor playing the triangle in that track that from carmen yes it does make me wonder what other classical pieces he might have appeared well, it's, as it's, a feature it's becoming a trait for him isn't it because in the uh, in pond life he's laying down vocal tracks Ah, oh, yes pond life we haven't reviewed pond life Ooh, we should do okay let's do it in songs Welcome to a critical reading of the internet-based video of what is known as... Pond Life! And disappointment can be avoided if you watch all five straight through what is known as... Pond Life! They're only a minute long. Don't be disappointed by the short run time. You'll love a bit of it! Pond Life! Who's that Time Lord chatting? You should cut down on your Pond Life, mate. Get a new companion! All the viewers... I mean I like to watch part one I like the bit in the hotel where the doctor surprised with a hot bit of crumpet life. he bursts through the door has a good shout and then says that he's leaving the house life. I watch the little teases the ooze is fine being a slave it gives him a sense of enormous well-being life. and now I'm happy for the rest of the day Safe in the knowledge that nothing bad will happen in these silly little videos. All the viewers, so many viewers, they all want Doctor Who, but they'll settle for Pond Life. have just split up out of nowhere. Pond life. He's just storming out of the house and she just shouts and shouts and shouts. All the viewers, so many viewers, they all want Doctor Who, but they'll settle for Pond So that was a slight tangent there, sorry, but we felt that even though Pond Life was small but perfectly formed, it did deserve its own review. Mm-hmm. 
that was part of the episode that really didn't ring true for me as somebody who has only been married for quite a short time. The idea that you would not be able to discuss that sort of level of emotion in a relationship that, let's face it, has lasted most of their lifetime. That you would give up on something that easily. I agree with that. I think it's all a symptom of the fact that Moffat here is trying to write an event movie in 45 minutes. So a lot of the narrative beats are truncated. A lot of the emotional beats are also truncated. He's asking you to go with it in some ways. He's saying, in 45 minutes, I'm going to conjure this whiz-bang, amazing action epic. And to do that, to do it in the budget, and to do, and when I talk about budget, I'm talking financially and in terms of time, mm-hmm. certain things we're going to go have to go for shorthand with. And to compensate for that, I really think that Arthur Darville and Karen Gillan gave brilliant performances. I agree that it didn't quite ring true emotionally, but I think what they brought to it, especially that scene where they're on the transporter talking to each other, mm. it's a great bit of acting and it, it, it sold it enough for me for me to go, mm-hmm. yep, that's okay. And because the rest of the episode was so skillfully done and looked a million dollars, and I mean that quite literally, yeah. like several million dollars, uh, it was br- it, it blurs the line really about what can be achieved on that kind and of I budget. Thought it was an, it, I, thought, I thought it was an interesting thing. Um, the writing of the scene where they sort of fall back in love um, and the events leading back up to that where they discuss that Amy can't have children and the emotional impact of that uh, really shows that actually Moffat can really, really write honest, emotional people with gender roles and so forth in a really realistic and satisfying manner. I was really sold on that scene. I was sold on it, but again, I for that, that not in the writing, for me, that bit, that was in the performance. I, I mean, I, I, I really wish I could say that I was, but I wasn't, because any marriage where you don't discuss these things more than once or twice before heading towards an inevitable divorce, where you don't get to the reason behind why you're asking your partner to leave before you sign the divorce papers isn't really doesn't doesn't really seem that realistic to me she does try and call him back after the divorce papers but he's already gone and then she gets abducted yes she does i blame the darling to be fair to be fair on the ponds they do have additional strains on their marriage that most marriages don't get and they also they have a daughter anyway they've already got kids kid they've already got kid they didn't get to raise kid raise well they did get to raise her but they were the same age as her yes it's a long story watch seasons five and six if you want to know more the parliament of the daleks just i found that hysterical really really amusing definitely parliament is just a name but it it is fun to wonder what it would be like if it acted like a democratically elected parliament and so it's that time of the week again where we cross live to the dalek parliament and listen in on prime minister's questions Hold on to your hats, kids. This is usually a bumpy old ride. Order! Order! Questions to the Prime Minister, Leader of the Opposition! Thank you, Mr Speaker. Can I ask the Prime Minister to what extent he has considered the impact of the banking sector's lack of morals on our production of Dalekanium in the last 12 months? 
It seems that official figures leaked by his office show that production levels are down by 17%, while the unemployment of teenage Daleks has risen by at least twice that figure. What is he and his government going to do about it? I shall tell you. Exterminate! 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 What is going on? Any more questions? Didn't think so. See what you did there? Yeah. The apartment actually seems a lot more civilised than the UK's lower chamber, at least, because there's no partisan jeering or mocking of difference and they get lots of bold actions being taken as a result of reaching a consensus which sounds pretty ideal and the one thing that really really tickled me about the Dalek parliament was the Dalek prime minister he actually looked like he was arching his eyebrow a bit like a kind of Roger Moore did anybody else find that when the Daleks delivered that sort of the big crunch line save us um, that was that was quite like a, a shock to hear them say that. But then later on, when they all started chanting in unison, it really sounded like they were uh, they were shouting "Shave the Daleks," and uh, that left me with a few images that I had to try really hard to get rid of. Place hot, damp towel on the Daleks. Create creamy lather on the Daleks. Ask the Daleks if they have anything good planned for the weekend. Gently caress the Daleks. Suggest a moisturising regime to the Daleks. I was really excited about seeing the Asylum of the Daleks and I felt a little bit, um, maybe a little bit cheated that we didn't get to see what really goes on there in terms of, is there actually care and support for these mad dialects? Well, it was broken by the time we got down there. See, someone suggested that Oswin was actually the automated security system that they installed. They installed a human brain in a Dalek as that, so she didn't actually need to hack into any of that. She was, you know, she was the controller of all of that, which I think is really interesting. I don't know if that's the case. They would need an automatic security system because heaven knows they're not very good at making chains. Hmm. All right, Ted. I've got some great news for you, my son. That right, Irene? Yeah. We've got ourselves a big contract. A whole planet's worth of chains to supply. Nice one, Irene. You must be made up. That I am, Ted. That I am. If we get this one right... Irene's Galactic High Tensile Chains Incorporated will become the number one supplier of manacles, cuffs and restraints on every planet this side of Casbarus. We're going to be rich! How much did they order, Irene? Enough to restrain over a million war machines in a facility that reaches right down to the planet's core. Right. So quite a lot then. Yeah. How much we got stockpiled currently? Uh. About five. Well, 5,000 units isn't going to be enough. We're talking millions here. Not not 5,000. Five. We, we have five chains. What? What happened? Sold one this morning. I see. Otherwise, we'd have had six. Yeah. Which, thinking about it, probably wouldn't have been enough either. No. So, 
What are we going to do, Ted? I can't afford to lose this contract. Isn't there some other way we could increase our stock rapidly? Well, not really, Irene. I mean, to produce a good quality chain takes time, you know. The sort of time we don't have. Unless... Nah. What, Ted? What? Well, we could always make the chains out of paper mache. Paper mache's a doddle. We could make miles of the stuff in no time at all. Keep talking, Ted. Yeah, we could make chains out of polystyrene and foam rubber and biscuits and then just spray them the right colour. No one would ever know. What? Never? Well, not until a prisoner made the slightest movement. Then they'd pretty much crumble to pieces instantaneously. Oh. Yeah. In fact, there'd be so little practical use that anyone watching would probably ask why anyone bothered chaining the prisoners up in the first place. But, on the plus side, we'd be long gone by then, wouldn't we? Yes, Irene. Yes, we would. Teddy, fetch me a pile of newspaper and a big bowl of paste. Yes, Irene. I wanted to see some real sort of mad dialects. Um, is mad something we're allowed to say these days? Yes. Mad in the old sense of the word kind of thing. But um, I, I wanted to see a bit of sort of Dalek Khan. Dalek Khan? What's his name? Dalek Khan. Roth Khan. Khan. Yeah, from the Stolen Earth. Where well, he's... the one who keeps giggling. Yeah, I wanted to see all of that sort of thing going on. Were you disappointed that we didn't really see every Dalek ever? They were just props in the background? Yeah, they were sort of set dressing, weren't they? I mean, that Stephen Moffat bit... has all but admitted that that was just a media smokescreen mm. so that they could get down to the actual story. And it's I just want to say very quickly, it's so clever what they did with the Oswin character in that she's completely self-contained on her own set. She doesn't have to interact with any other actors directly it was the only way they could have pulled off this kind of media blackout on her i just think that's so clever it's so moffat to have even conceptualized how that that could happen i wonder who knew apart from moff you know like presumably she must have recorded her scenes way after the rest of the episode was shot like when she started shooting fairly recently wasn't it but i mean that it has in character things as well the doctor's never seen this character Mm. so when he meets Mm. her or whoever this person that we're going to meet at the Christmas special, he's not going to go automatically. No, she won't you. mean anything to her, to him unless he recognises her voice. But why was her voice like her voice? Why wasn't she a Dalek when she spoke to him? Why wasn't she a Dalek? Yeah, because she actually was a Dalek in real life. Why was her voice not coming through as a Dalek on the intercom? That's strange, isn't it? Mm. Well, you mean in the Dalek parliament and all that sort of thing? Yeah. Do you know, I love the way that she'd, like, hammered boards across the entranceway to her room. It was a metaphor for her boarding up her subconscious. Yes. It was. Amazing. Oh, so the vampires that come in the night or the Daleks that she perceives to be vampires, which is funny that you have, like, uh, an episode. I nearly called it a movie with vampires (laughs) and zombies in it. But they are actually her subconscious, you know. Maybe that is her Dalek persona trying to break in. Ooh, creepy. I'm not able to join the chaps this week, so I just wanted to consider for a minute why the special weapons Dalek was in an asylum. It was very nice to see him on Saturday night, even though I'm not sure I saw him move or do anything effective. I'm quite surprised, given the extreme nature of his weaponry compared to the other Daleks, that he wasn't in a ward all by himself. 
either by dint of his dangerous nature or the fact that he'd gone as crazy as his placing in an asylum would suggest he had and blasted everything else into oblivion. But why was he there? Was it because he was seriously underused throughout the Daleks' long history of war? I mean, only being trundled out to blow a few rickety buildings to pieces in the late 1980s isn't much of a distinguished service career, wouldn't get you many medals. Maybe its name is key to the answer. After all, most Daleks grew up with an eye stalk, a plunger and a gun of some sort. This chap only had a massive gun. So maybe Special Weapons Dalek is meant in the same way that the phrase Special Needs Child is intended. As if a Dalek is never really a proper Dalek if he can't unblock a sink with one appendage while vanquishing foes with the other. Perhaps this is the backstory that would explain everything. The reason for the Dalek's eternal ire might not at all be something genetic, but the collective grievance of millions of highly trained tin pot plumbers at someone not settling an invoice on time. I'd say it was unlikely, but this is Doctor Who, so who knows? Literally, who knows? Oh God, that's really cheesy, isn't it? Well, episode one of five episodes that we're getting in this first half season. Do we have any wrap-up comments that you want to make? For me, there are so many standout moments of the episode, down from the cinematography where you've got the beautiful little girl twirling in the middle of the room. That to, was amazing. Yeah, gorgeously filmed. And did you see what the Dalek was of, of that little girl? It was one of the original, the absolute original Daleks. It was all shiny with little blue balls on it. That's right. Like a lovely cake. Um, and then just ideas that, lines that sent my brain spinning off into all sorts of ideas, like how much could you really do in four seconds? And <laughs> and then just gems that made me, which made you really explore the whole concept of the Doctor Who universe. The Daleks had grown stronger in fear of the Doctor. So how much suffering has the Doctor really caused? And so I thought... That, plus brilliant uh, performances from all of the cast, led to a fantastic episode, and I really can't wait for the rest of the season. I would echo that. I think all three main cast members were on scintillating form. Arthur Darville, for me, still is such an amazing mix of comedic performance and real acting chops. I think he's fantastic. I love the plot. I love how pared down it was. It was basically... Let's shoot the Doctor at a planet and see how he manages to defeat all the Daleks. And the whole new threat of the zombie Daleks who, you know, even when they're slightly desiccated, they are they're just that eye bursting forth and deforming their head. It's like, you know, when you get those little ants that get infected by fungus and then the fungus grows out of their head and creates a little spore cloud. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, it actually makes the makes them do different things and they don't know that they've got it, but they behave differently. Yeah, they clump down Ooh. on leaves and things. Yeah, it's crazy. Maybe Ooh. that's where he got it from. For me, it was very much um, a true-to-form moth episode with uh, amazing, rich, witty dialogue and an extraordinary twist at the end. He's back. He's on good form. Yes, he is back. And we are also back. So hope you enjoyed our first review of the new series, Please, if you've got some time, um, 
it would be great if you could go on iTunes and leave us a review. Uh, we haven't been reviewed for a while, and um, the more reviews we get, the higher up the charts we get, and more people might take a chance on us, which we would love. But apart from that, we will see you very soon. Laters. Arrivederci. That was Dinosaur for goodbye. So here's the haiku for Asylum of the Daleks. A shameful secret is the trap which heals their wounds. He is forgotten. See you next week. The chairman of the Accommodation and Works Committee. What plans he has to replace members filing cabinets in compliance with intergalactic regulations. And what will be the cost? Older four-drawer filing cabinets and those without anti-tilt mechanisms are being identified and replaced as part of agreed refurbishment programs in order to meet Dalek Standard 4438. A total of £35,000 has been set aside in 1994 to 95 for this.